Hallelujah. You know, it's awesome to come together as a family. Um, if you've you know, been here for a while or you've just visiting or you someone forced you to come or tricked you to come, <laughs> you're here for a reason. Before the foundation of the world, God had written your name in his book. The Bible says no one comes to God unless the Spirit of God draws him. The word draw you, Spirit of God that draws you, is like a man wooing a woman. He meets a young girl or he meets a lady. He wants to court her. He wants to woo her. He wants to, he wants to get to know her, to bring, a, he, he, bring her closer to him. The Bible says that Christ came looking for us. We weren't looking for him. So at this moment and this time, we want to thank our Father in heaven for the wonderful gift of salvation. That we can come, come together as one without any fear of persecution, without people shooting at us, people protesting outside or people blocking us because we are... And in some case, so free to worship our King. We should never let, take that for granted, the privileges and the honor we get. We get to participate in what God's doing on this earth. Amen. So shake off any religion you have. Shake off the cares of the world. And let's sit in his mighty presence. Because he longs to have fellowship with us. Bible says that we enter the throne. We can now enter boldly, boldly meaning confidence and assurance because of the blood of Jesus that was shed at the cross. We can enter into God's presence without any fear. Amen. So thank you, Father, for today. We worship you. We lift up the name of Jesus. That name is above every name. The person of Jesus. The love of the Father, his name is Jesus. The love of our soul, his name is Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. We thank you for today. We thank you for what you are about to do in our life. We thank you that the work you started, you will complete. We thank you that we're in the palm of your hand. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I don't know if I jumped the gun. Sorry, Dory. Um, kids can, they're gone. Um, any, Dory, any announcements? If you have kids that are taller trained, they can go into the um, kids' room next door. Even no adults, even if you're totally trained, you can't go in there. Is that right, guys? We have to be out of here. Um, please, boys, we have to be out of the building six o'clock because we got someone else coming in straight after us, so we got to pack up. So I think this is the last week, is it? Yeah, that we do that. And plus, as we leave, guys, there's another uh, ministry, another church downstairs, so they start a little bit later than us. So you know, we're very loud when we leave so can we just keep the noise down just out of respect for the uh, uh for the guys downstairs please and um 
we want you to fellowship, but if you're out here, keep it down. If you go past the church, please just have some respect as you leave out because some people don't know that they're worshipping downstairs as well. So, um, But welcome. My name's Tony. Um, if I don't know you, I'd love to get to know you. Um, we, get to, we get together every Sunday here at 4.30 and on Wednesday at 7, from 7 praying to 7.30. So you're more than welcome. Um, it's an honour to be with you and to share the word of the Lord with you today. Um, I'm having a pretty hard day today. Parallel got absolutely flagged, flogged, and uh, but I'm happy for Rabs and for Joe. They finally had a win. And you might as well watch that ten times. You'll never win again. Okay. John one. No more. No more carnality. John one. John one. Title of the message. Can we go to what, go to verse one? Sorry, I, I jumped the gun. I want to read this. It's probably one of my. I want to share something with you tonight, and and I was going to share it continue on Wednesday, but we'll speak to Rabs as to what's happening on Wednesday. But I want to share with you that in, when my when I first, in my early days as a believer, um, we we a lot of the times we parrot what we hear. In other words. You know, we, we get to church, we get saved, and then, you know, we hear scripture and we quote scripture and we walk in, in, in different aspects of revelation. But for me, in my early days, it's probably the, one of the greatest moments in my Christian walk when God actually spoke to my heart through the scripture. Now, God's speaking to us all the time. But when you have that rhema word, that word that came from God that no one else gave it to you, it was just something you hang on to. When you have that experience, you never forget it. And um, that was close to 18, 19 years ago. And it's John 1, and let's read it, and we'll, and we'll talk about it. So, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. and Without Him, nothing was made that was made. And in Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light, oh, you got up there. The light shines in the darkness, but did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came, came for a witness to bear witness to the light that all through him might be believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He, became to, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as receive him, to them he gave them the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but the will of God. In the beginning was the word. So for, for many years, you'd read that and just pass through it. But for me, I was reading it and I wanted to read the whole book of John. So I started at the first. I said, in the beginning was the word. And then I'd get down to what I just read to you now. And I'd stop. And it was just like I was meditating on those words. And then I'd, you know, for whatever reason, close it up. And then when I go back to continuing the, reading the book of John, I'd go back to the beginning and start. In the beginning was the word. The word was, a, I mean, my family heard it every day. I mean, it just annoyed them. I'd walk around the house going, in the beginning. I remember once my son was in the baby seat and he was, my wife was driving with her sister and they were talking about something, probably about me. But anyway, they were talking about something. And they said, in the beginning, and my son goes, was the word. That's how much brainwashing I did, you know? 
Now, in the beginning was the Word, and then I'd read it. So, but you'd normally go back to the, wherever you stopped, and then you'd keep reading. But I, for some reason, I'd go back and start the first chapter. Then all of a sudden, I read in the beginning, and it was like time stood still, and the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, what happened in the beginning? Well, that's a good point. So all I knew was the beginning was Genesis. So let's go to Genesis. Oh, that's, that's how simple I am. Let's go to the beginning. So let's go to Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the night, the night from darkness. At that moment, I read that scripture, and then something went off in my spirit, that in the beginning was the Word. And here it says, God spoke the Word, said, let there be light. If you want a proper translation, let light be. Sometimes we have this idea that God created the light. And that was like, and then it talks about dividing the day and the night. But then it's not until verse 6 that the sun was created. So here, what was that light? He says, let light be. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's telling you that the light already existed. And God says, let light be. And in beginning was the word. God spoke the word. Are you with me? God spoke the word. Let there be light. In John 1, he says, in the beginning was the word. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. Who is the him they're talking about? Jesus, nothing that was created had ever been created that wasn't came from Jesus. And in him was life, and the life was the light of man, and the light shone in the darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it. Here it says that the earth was formless and void, and chaos, the word formless and void was chaos ruled over the earth. God spoke the world into existence. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, was hovering over the deep waters. Now, we believe in the Father. We believe God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. True? A triune God. The Holy Spirit is fully God, as much as God the Father is, as much as God the Son. In those days, it was the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Or Yahweh, Creator, Elohim, the Word, Logos Word, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit hovered over the deep waters. Now, the Holy Spirit knew that had to be light. That light had to come. But the Holy Spirit does not move until the word was spoken. God speaks. He speaks the word, Jesus, Logos word. The Bible says in John, if we go back to John, he says the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. Jesus is the word of God that became flesh, became flesh and blood and walked among us. You get the picture. Nothing's changed from creation. God the Father spoke. The word is the authority through Jesus and the Holy Spirit manifests it. What does Jesus say? Pray to the Father in my name and the Holy Spirit manifests it. Nothing's changed. Man changes things, but God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is light and in him there's no darkness. Are you with me? It's interesting. If you could change, if I was to say in the beginning was a word, it would change the whole meaning of that scripture in the greek if you read it i'm not a greek scholar i barely speak english but you read it in the greek it says in the beginning was the word he was jesus that manifested and became and dwelt among us the glory of the father 
The Bible says in John, let's go back to John for a second. And we'll go back to verse 7. I'll spend some time here. I just want to show you a picture. Talking about John the Baptist now, he was preaching. This man came for the witness to bear witness of the light, but that all through him might be believe. Next verse. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was, not, was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as as many as received him, to them they gave them the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, Jesus came to his own, speaking of the Jewish people. God had spoken to the, the forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and gave him the law. And they gave him, uh, you know, the ceremonial laws, the sacrificial laws, the, um, the dietary laws, and all the law was, a, the law was a type and a shadow. It was like a schoolmaster to point us to Christ. The law was given, it was holy. The law had a glory about it. The Bible says that there was the former glory and there's the greater glory. The law was holy. I would not know if I'm a sinner if it wasn't for the law. Would you know? But the law cannot save you. Although the law is holy, and Jesus says I'm the fulfillment of the law, but the law cannot save you because of your flesh. In other words, my flesh, your flesh, in other words, my natural means to get saved or to make myself right with God, or there's nothing I can do. It doesn't matter how good I, I can want to be, or the things I want to do before God to please God, I cannot, because the flesh is weak. But there was all a shadow to point you to someone who could. Now the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus. And we know that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. And He went to the cross, and He who became him who knew no sin, He was the light of the world, yet He became sin. Sin is darkness. People get this idea that the opposite of dark and light is dark, but it's not. It's the absence of light. See, when you have an absence of light, right now, I don't know if it's dark outside yet, but if I was to turn these lights or these, these lights on now and open the curtain, what would come in and what would go out? Would the darkness come in here or would the light go out? The light would go out. But there's a big area. We only have a small room here, yet the whole darkness out there would not come in. It cannot penetrate the light because it's the absence of light. It's not the opposite. See, the devil is not the opposite of Jesus. He's the lack of Jesus. He's, he's lost his anointing. The devil lost his anointing when he disobeyed God and pride was found in him. And Jesus is the light of the world. What does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? He gives life to man who come to him. Now, light is amazing. In here, there's light. If I was to turn all the lights off, it would be dark again, yeah? But all one of you have to turn on is your phone, your screensaver, it would light it up straight away because it's the absence of light. So we could easily light up this room with one little pilot light on your phone. See, when we understand who the true light is, the Bible says that in um, Psalm, I'll probably jump on the gun, girls, but Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
None of us, a lamp is, in the old days, used to carry a little lamp. It could be oil lamp, it could be a candle, it could be fire. But no one walks like this, do they? But the Bible says the word of God is a lamp unto my feet. In other words, it's about me. The word of God is to challenge me. It's to illuminate me. It's to change me. And then it lights up my path. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, until you know what the Word says about you, you can never go to the Father. There's only one way to the Father, it's through the Son. But the Word of God lights me up. So when it says, it's a lamp unto my feet, it's saying, oh, I'm gonna, the gospel is going to light me up. So I know where I'm going. The early church was called the people of the way. They weren't called Christians. They were called Christians when they went into the, the Gentiles. But they were called the people of the way. Are you a people of the way? Are you a people on the way? Are you people on the way? It was the way because Jesus said, I am the way. See, Jesus doesn't just point you to the way. See, too many people know about Jesus and his, that's heaven. But you can't get there because Jesus points there. If you don't go through him, because he is the way to the Father. Only the Son knows the Father. He says, only one that comes from heaven that knows the Father. So we're trying to get to know God through the Father. He's shocked. Well, give me your biscuit. No, no, you're a bit lower. The way to the Father is not a street. It's not a place. It's a position in the Father's family. We've been adopted into the Father's house. We get to share in God's inheritance. The Bible says those who believe are already seated in heavenly places. I want to show you why the devil hates you so much. He's defeated, so I'm not here to scare anyone. But unfortunately, we live in a woke society. We live in a political correctness society. We believe in a place where we don't want to offend. Sin is sin no matter how long. A pig is still a pig even if you put lipstick on it. It's still a pig. Sin is sin no matter how you dress it up. We don't want to talk about sin. We might offend people. So what? I'd rather be offended now and know that I've sinned so I can come and lay myself before the Lord so I can have redemption. True? An x-ray. You're sick. You break your arm. You're not sure if it's broken. You go get an x-ray. What do you do? I played football all my life. I had that many scans. It's not funny. I should be glowing like radiation now. That's how many scans I've had. But in order to find out what's happening in my knee, they did a scan. They did an x-ray. They found out. Then I got upset and I punched the x-ray guy out because my leg's broken. Would you do that? Would you hit the doctor because he told you you can't walk for three months? Well, that's what we do to God. See, when the law is a type and shadow of an x-ray, the image of Christ, when we compare us with Christ, is just like an x-ray. And we have fallen short of his glory. So we don't have a fight and say the Bible's wrong or that preacher's wrong because he said, no, no, no. We get a conviction in our heart so we can now come before the Lord and have that light of life come in us because the blood of Jesus washes us and makes us as white as snow. We don't get offended because that, that might, listen, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Too many people are going somewhere and they don't know who they are yet. Too many people don't know the word of God and how to fight. So your path that you think you're on is devastating. It's destruction. Jesus said, narrow is the road that leads to eternal life, but wide is the road that leads to destruction. Jesus made a comment that the road is narrow. And I've heard this preached so many times, that no, the road is narrow, and it is. It's hard in the sense that if you want to live your life the way you want to live, it's hard. 
But if I was to say to you, this is the only road you get to Jerusalem, it's not that hard when you say, stay on that narrow road. See, that was a common theme in the Jewish culture. Jesus used an analogy. So if you were outside Jerusalem and you were going to Jerusalem, they would say, there's a narrow road, stay on it. If you get off that narrow road, there's thieves and pirates and gangsters. They're going to mug you. You're going to be beaten. Stay on the narrow road and then you'll get to the, the Jerusalem. That's what they used to say to the Jews in the old days or even foreigners. And Jesus used that analogy. He says, the road is narrow. And those who find that narrow road will get eternal life. But if you want to live it your way and do it your way, guess what? The road is so wide, you can do whatever you want. You know where you're going to end up? I could be one degree off now and I'll walk from here to that door. It's not a big deal. But if I'm one degree off now in 10 years' time, I'm so far away from where I should be, it's disaster. If I'm going to the land of the promised land, Jerusalem, it's that way. But I decide to go one degree off. Where do I end up? <laughs> Any one comedian in this room? You end up in Greenacre. Even better. I want to share something with you. God created everything in the garden and it was good. I don't, someone needs to hear this, man. When God created the heavens and earth and he created all, all things, it was good. 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 And then God created man on the sixth day and goes, it was good. Then on the seventh day, God rested. Man's first day of creation was a day of rest. And some people do not have rest in this room, but you need to know the rest of God. First day of man was created to rest. Not resting in laziness, resting in what God's already done. Adam rested in God because he looked where, wow. See, Adam named all the animals. God didn't tell him what to name him. God didn't say to him, look, name a lion because that's what a lion does or name a, uh, uh, name a, a lamb, that's what a lamb does or name a pigeon. No, Adam had the mind of God. Let's, let's before I jump, I'm jumping the gun because I'm too excited to share this. The Bible says that God created Adam from the dust of the earth. And the Bible says he breathed into him and he became a living soul. When you, when you read in the Bible, soul and life, it's interchangeable. Jesus says, those who lose their life will find it. Those who keep their life will lose it. It's, 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 the word is soul. God breathed into Adam, he became a living soul. It's interesting that when God breathed into Adam, the Bible says he formed him from the dust of the earth. And Adam, when he was created by God, God's breath was inside him. And we spoke a few weeks ago, we re it's a little recap, but we spoke about how Jesus, when he rose from the dead, he breathed onto his disciples the Holy Spirit. He goes, receive you the Holy Spirit. And then he says, wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit to come, which came in Pentecost. I'm not going to... If you want to hear it, you can go back and listen to them on YouTube. But when he breathed on them, the Holy Spirit, it was like God, the God, through Jesus Christ, breathed on his disciples. So they went from the corrupted man, Adam, back to the original man, Adam. Does that make sense? When God, see, Elisha in the Old Testament, this, I, I never understood this until it was God spoke in my heart and I, I heard this the other day. And it's amazing. I read this the other day. Elisha prayed for a woman to have a, a child. And God gave the lady a child. The child died. I forget how old the child was. So she went and found the man of God, the prophet Elisha, and said, you've got to come. He's dead and I want him back. And when she was leaving, her husband goes, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to see someone. She didn't tell her husband that the boy was dead. She laid him on the bed and she went. She found the man of God. He comes. 
The Bible says he laid on the child and, and prayed and life came back into the child. I never understood why he laid on the child because docs were there, they would have arrested him in this modern generation. But God was spoken to me in my heart. He says that when God formed Adam of the dust of the earth, we get this idea that he made a little sand castle. There's his eyes, there's his legs. And no, no, no. God made Adam of the dust, but he laid on the dust and stretched out his hands, nose to nose, eyes to eyes, cheek to cheek, heart to heart. And when he breathed into him, the image of man should come out of the image of God. And when Elijah laid on the image of, uh, of the kid, he was re replicating what God did in the garden, laid on the boy and breathed life back into him. Now, Adam now is a living being. Now, look this up with me and Dorian were mucking around here and we just thought we got blown away what the Lord just did. Always know that Adam means, wow, it's hot in here. Come on, Becky, I know you're freezing. Adam, in my, she turned me off. She turned me off. I'm off. Am I on or off? Security, get rid of her. Adam, to me, in, I'm, I'm, I'm Lebanese background, so Arabic, Adam, Adam means it's off, eh? Just speak among yourselves for a second. All good? No good? Hello? Just going to give me a mic if you want. That's only for the audio, guys. It's ever on. Adam, to me, meant... But I always thought that Adam meant bones. Adam, bones. But the word Adam means from the, the son of the earth. Adam meaning blood. Hello. So Adam in the Hebrew means from the red earth, son of the red earth. Adam had blood in him. Blood is red. True. But God is spirit. God is light. And in him there's no darkness. So when God breathed into Adam, he became a living soul. He had a blood from the earth. But now Adam was walking around the garden naked and didn't know he was naked. So why didn't Adam know he was naked? Why was it such a big issue when he ate and he got scared and hid himself? Because Adam was walking in his natural reflection of God. See, I wrote down here, Adam was made in God's image and likeness. Adam's appearance was like God. He reflected God's image. He had God's mind, his thoughts, and his nature. The life that was in him was in the life of God. Adam was spirit, soul, and body. True? Three parts. God... Elohim is Father, Word, Holy Spirit. Three. God breathed, the, God breathed into Adam. He became a living soul. But God breathed the light of life into Adam. So Adam walked around the garden with a natural man reflecting the Father. And his blood type was red. But all he was in, emanating is the pure light of God's gospel. God, Jesus himself. Because Jesus in him, this light. He's the light of the light of man. He shines in the darkness. And darkness does not comprehend it. Adam's sins, guess what? He lost the glory of God. Glory speaks of light, anointing. 
Adam now becomes, the word Adam means from the son of the earth. Other translation says he's red, rosy cheeks or the blood in the face. Adam means blood. If we were just talking to Dorian and when Judas, when Judas betrayed Jesus and he threw the money back to the Pharisees, they go, we can't touch this. That's blood money. So they said they can't put it in the treasury. All of a sudden they had a conscience. They, they get a man, they get a guy to betray Jesus. Now they've got a religious conscience. No, we can't touch this. It's blood money. So they went and bought a field called, a, um, in, in Arabic it's called Akaldam. When Judas hung himself, he fell, sorry kids, and his intestines split open and blood, and they call it the field of blood till this day. They buried foreigners there, and it's the potter's field where they throw old pots and corpses. But in the Hebrew it says Akaldam, which means blood, the field of blood. Adam is the son of the blood. Jesus is the son of the blood. Jesus came and he said, fully man, but fully God. He had the light of God in his veins. The pure blood of God is white. It's pure white. That's why when people see an image of Jesus today, he's got his scars, but nothing. you don't see nothing but white. You see the pure light of, the, of Jesus and the God, the Father. He is pure in every way, shape, or form. Are you with me? So when Jesus says that I come and as the light, I'm the light to all men, but light shines in the darkness. What is the light doing? Sometimes we perceive that because the law had a light, had a glory to it. The law says, thou shall not, thou shall not, but never stop anyone from sinning. The law pointed. It was like an x-ray. It was a spotlight on your life. But the Pharisees who knew the law back to front were the biggest sinners. <laughs> he said, you're hypocrites. You go and travel the whole world to find one convert. And you bring him and you make him twice the devil than what he was. This, I'm talking about people that knew the first book, five books of the Bible by the age of five. I knew people that were scribes. They were, a scribe is a teacher of the law. They knew the law. So if you had a dispute with a brother, you'd go to him and say, do I have grounds against my brother or am I doing something wrong? They would look at the letter of the law in Leviticus. There's Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. They would look at the laws of God. We think there's 10 commandments. There were 600 other laws plus 2,000 other rules and regulations. And they would look at it in detail. And Jesus says, be wary of those guys. Be wary of those guys. They pervert the word of God. But light has come into the world. Jesus. See what Jesus does. You know what? Don't be surprised when you walk in God's light and people hate you for it and they don't know why. Sometimes your life will convict them of their life. And you haven't even said a word. Why? Because the light in you shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it. Sometimes people want to fight you and they don't know why. I remember a story. I was working on a, on a roof and I was sharing a little bit of my testimony on a roof. We're on a roof, two-story house, and the guy that was helping us wanted to throw me off. He literally said, I wanted to throw you off because you were annoying me. He was a believer in the surface, but deep down, whatever I was saying was penetrating him. And he had, thank God he didn't throw me off because this guy could have thrown me and 20 other blokes off this roof. Thank God he didn't throw me off the roof. But the light of the gospel shined in the dark places, but the darkness does not comprehend it. And we need to understand that God shines a light in those dark places not to hurt you, but to heal you. See, Jesus doesn't expose you and cover your nakedness. God says, don't uncover your brother's nakedness. What makes you think God's going to do it to you? See, God doesn't expose something in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit to hurt you. He does it to heal you. Are you with me? See, the only place I can go to for healing is my, 
Master Jesus. See, religion has bound us. Religion has hurt us. Religious people have destroyed us. But then the other pendulum that we swing, well, you're too religious for me. It's always about the fear of God. It's the love of God. So we go over here. It's all about the love of God. And guess what? Don't worry. You can never commit a sin because Jesus loves you. No, 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 no. It's the fear of the Lord and the love of God that keeps me on that narrow road. He will always forgive you. Because the blood, look at this. One John one five. I think Rap shared this the other day. Bless me. One John one five. This is the message that we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. So we have, this is one John. This is John the apostle, the beloved, speaking to the church. And he's saying, listen, remain in my love. Stay in my light. Walk in my light. And even if you mess up along the way, guess what? While you remain in the light, the fellowship of one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses you and sanctifies you. See, just because you gave your life to Jesus doesn't mean you made it. It means that you made it and that that the blood takes you to heaven. But how many people know that when we come to Christ, there's a lot of garbage in our life that we can't get rid of? Some things we know about, some things we don't. I had a lot of garbage in my life, and it didn't come up till later. Why? God is gracious and merciful and loving. But he deals with one thing at a time. Religion will say, stop drinking, stop smoking, stop doing this, stop doing that. And yet there's bitterness in my heart. God will say, let's deal with the bitterness. Let's deal with the offense. Let's deal with the unforgiveness. And then everything else will just fall off. God's ways isn't man's way. God's God's light is not man's light. Man will shine. I often say, God forgives me and remembers my sins no more. But Christians go and get scuba diver gear and go spot diving in there to find my sin. Light is important, does it not? Light can expose something, can give you direction, but it also can show up something. We can go, the boys are going to go hunting, they're going to put spotlights out and a bright light can blind someone. The Apostle Paul, the Bible says he's on his road to arrest Christians and throw them in jail. The Apostle Paul is the one that they threw their clothes to and stoned Stephen, the first martyr recorded in the Bible. He ordered the first murder, and now the Apostle uh, Saul was on his way to Damascus. That's how much zeal he had for God, he thought. Well, I'm going to travel. It doesn't matter where I go. I'm going to lock up all these believers. And on his way, he gets thrown off a horse because a light shines from heaven. And says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul goes, who are you, Lord? He goes, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. A light, again, shines. This man went, this man knew, like I said, he knew the Bible, the Old Testament back to front. By the age of five, he knew the five, five first books of the Bible. By the age of 30, he knew the whole Old Testament. He said it, I'm a Jew of all Jews, circumcised on the eighth day. I could do this, I could do that, I had to zeal. And I count all that as done to surpassing knowledge of knowing who Jesus Christ is. See, when the light came to him, he didn't look back and say, I've wasted 30 years of my life. I fought for the, you know, rah, rah, rah. No, he just saw the light and he had, I want to go to that light. And this is, when we read the Bible now, most of the New Testament is written by a man that would never walk with Jesus. 
We say, oh, well, I wish I could meet Jesus. wish I slept with Jesus. No, you don't because all of them fell. But Paul, when he got saved, he was teaching the disciples that walked with Jesus. Even Peter said that some things that you say are hard to understand. He even went up to Peter and said, you're a hypocrite, Peter. What kind of a zeal? What did he know that we don't know? Because we're going to understand something, the light of the world. I want to share this quickly and then, what time is it? Yep, 5.30. Just quickly want to share something with you. The Bible says, in him was life, and that life was the light of man. In him was life, Jesus, and that light that Jesus has is the light of man. All right, so life is in Christ and he shines it on us, amen? And we can attribute that to when we got born again. When we received Jesus Christ as the Lord, he lit up our spirit. But I want to go one step further. The light of Jesus is the blood of Jesus. I want to show you something. Noah, in Genesis 9.5, just briefly. Now, Noah is off the ark. Uh, he just got off. The, the flood uh, went down. He comes out. Now, God's instructing Noah what to do. Noah now, he's freaking out. The earth is being destroyed with the flood, and there's only eight of them. What does he do? Up until that time, guys, no one ate meat. It was all vegetables. So vegans, say amen. And that's the end of your life. Now, Jesus says... <laughs> So if you're a vegetarian, vegan, stop. No, I'm joking. Because the Bible says to know what kill and eat. So I don't know the last time you stabbed a cabbage, but anyway. So, so now Noah, and the rabbit is going to kick me off soon. All right, listen. Now Noah is talking, God's talking to Noah, and he's trying to teach him something. Now you can eat meat. I want you to kill and eat, but the blood is mine, says the Lord. Now he's trying to teach him a principle here. He's saying to Noah, life is in the blood. He says, now, it's a long story, but he says, when you eat, cook it. Don't leave any blood in it. If there is blood, pour it out on the earth because the blood was for the sacrifice. The blood is mine. Life is in the blood. Look what he says here. Surely for your lifeblood, I will demand a reckoning. For from the hand of every beast, I will require it. And from the hand of every man, from the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. What he's saying here is you can't take a life because if, if you take a life, I'll need a life for a life. You know, get eye for an eye, life for an eye. He says to him, if you don't touch the blood, every beast in the field that touches you, I'll touch them. God was going to protect Adam, uh, Noah in the, in, in the world at that time. Next verse. Is there another verse? Go down next one. Probably didn't give it to you, but I think there is. Verse 6. Whoever sheds a man's blood, there you go. By man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. So in God's eyes, man was made in God's image and God's likeness. Man never lost the image, they just lost the likeness. Man's image was still like God, but the, the likeness, the nature on the inside had changed. Adam had sinned, his nature got corrupted. Are you with me? Now, man could do good things because they ate from the knowledge of good and evil. Some bad people have done very good things. But doesn't justify your good and bad doesn't just see. I often say Adam did not know good right from wrong in the garden. He just knew God. When he ate, he realized. You get me? The nature of Adam and the likeness of Adam was reflecting Jesus, uh, the Father. Now he's telling Noah, blood, life's in the blood. If you shed blood, I'll take blood because man was made in God's image. Can we go to Leviticus now? Moses writes Leviticus. Look what Leviticus the Leviticus is the laws that God taught Moses to teach his people. Watch this. For the life of the flesh is in the 
and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for your souls. This is talking to Moses about sacrificing animals and sheep on the altar to forgive sins. He says, because life is in the blood. In the Old Testament, the animals were a shadow and a type. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why? There was life in him, in his blood, in his spirit. So the, the Bible says that light, Jesus is the light of the world. It Does he not? It says that life is in the blood. So light and blood. So Jesus' blood was light. In the garden, when he breathed into Adam, Adam was this beautiful creature that God created, glowing in the light of Jesus or the light of God. And he lost it, and the lights went out, and man has been corrupted ever since. But here comes Jesus on the throne from heaven. He takes a body, he goes, prepare me a body. He gets prepared a body. He takes on now Adam, blood, but he's got the light of life in him. The blood and the, and the, and the light go hand in hand. Are you, are you getting this? If life is in the blood and life is in the light, then they go hand in hand. We just read in 1 John, if you remain in the light, guess what? The blood cleanses you. I hope you're seeing this. Because when Jesus came, he didn't come as a torch. <laughs> he didn't come as a signpost that I'm a good bloke, I've never sinned, you got to be like, no, no, no. He came to bring that life he had in Adam back to us, but this time he had to pay for it at the cross. He has not left anything for us. He has done it all on Calvary's cross. Can I hear an amen? Our salvation is not based on what you do. It's based on what he's done. But now he says, I want to go one step further. I only am going to give you back what you lost. Redemption means to redeem what you already had. You can't redeem. Who's got Maya points? Who goes shopping here? Samantha. No wonder Eddie wanted to. Anyway. <laughs> and you get points and you redeem the points. So they redeem what's rightfully yours. When man lost the image of the, the likeness of God in the garden, Jesus came in the form of Adam. Adam, in the, in the flesh and blood of Adam, to kill Adam, that we can have his life now at the cross. Are you getting it? If you don't get that, forget everything else. You can't move forward to understand what Jesus did at the cross. Because everything else is going to be motivational. It's going to be religious. But when we understand what he's done, it's easy to give your life to Jesus. Because his life is the light of man. There's nothing you can walk on better than the life of Jesus. Because Jesus said something very powerful. He said, any man come unto me, I'll give you rest. What was man's first day in the garden? A day of rest. It was a day of rest. Why? Because God did all the work. It was a picture of the faith and grace of God. But we're now we're, on a, we're in this planet on earth and we've got some garbage in our life. And we want to work this out. But we want to tell God what to do. But the Holy Spirit, if we co-labor with him, guess what? He'll get us on that path. The word of God lights up our feet. Our person and then he lights our path so we know where we're going if you're not reading your word i'm sorry you won't get your path lit doesn't stop loving you but you don't know where you're going ever tried to i i did um some time with the bushfire brigade in quakers hill and we had built this two-story like just out of corrugated iron and what they would do they would light it up they would fill it with smoke they do every different so the fire brigade would go in there and they, would, and they would do it like a reenactment. So they were teaching them how to go into a burning building or a building where all the lights are out. And you go in there and they teach them how to get out or, or find out if someone's in there. So I played the dummy. So I was the one that had to be pretending the dead body. So I had the, had the apparatus on with the... You know, it's scary in there because it's pitch black. 
I actually walked in there with a guy and I was that close. So I was that close. And I let go and I couldn't find him. That's, I let go two seconds, I could not find him. Because it's so dark, you cannot see a thing. You lose all sense of where you are. He's right next to me, I couldn't find him. So I had to lay in the corner and pretend I'm a dead body. And they had to come in and find me. And I was wearing, um, it's like a beeper. When you, stop, when you stop moving, it would beep. But when you kept moving, it wouldn't beep. So it was to show you that the, fire, the firemen wear this. So if it stops beating one of the, and it starts to beep regularly, you know that someone's just collapsed or someone. Because what they used to do, they used to have beams hanging out from the ceiling, tires, just like a chaos. A house is caught on fire, and now it's just black. And you go, well, I went in there with them. I was the dead body. They found me. They hit my head all the way out. Hopeless they were. But they, if, I didn't, if they made it alive, I had concussion. I'll tell you that much. But, that, but I went in there with them. I went in there with them, and I, we used to hold each other's jackets and walk. That's why I said I let go. I couldn't find him. I absolutely got so scared because there's no light. And most people live their life like that. They think they know where they're going, but they don't know where they're going. And they don't realize where they are until they see light. So I often say, I didn't know I was lost till I was found. I wouldn't have told you I was lost. I wouldn't have told you I was perfect. I knew I didn't know. But once you see the glory of the Lord, when you see his face, when you see what he's done for us, you know, look back and think, what a wretched life I was living. Even the good I do is not worthless compared to knowing him. But he shines that light in our heart. He gives us the Holy Spirit to walk with us. This isn't the beauty thing. He says, I'll never leave you as an orphan. The light of life. I want you to get away from Sunday school teaching. Jesus is the light. And we say it like it's like a, a street light. And you're like, no, no. The light of Jesus shines in your hearts through the blood of Jesus. He cleanses you. Show me your good deeds. Show me your good deeds. Tell me what you can do that could do better. Do what Christ did on the cross. It's by faith that we are saved. It's not by my traditions. I'm the, we... We shared this a couple of weeks ago. I want to go again. But he gives us the Holy Spirit that light up our inner man and to empower our inner man. Why? He knows we're frail humans and we can't walk this out. But if we're willing, guess what? He's able. Amen? John 6, 6, 3. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are, they are spirit and they are the word of God. Jesus became flesh. Jesus is the light of the world. The life of, the life of man is in the blood. Jesus came as a man, brought the light of God into this tabernacle and killed it and put it on a cross to wash all our sins so we could have his life. That's, the, that's what it means about the light. He says here that it is the Spirit who gives life. Next verse. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. You know, in the context here, if you read the passage before it, he's talking about eat my flesh and drink my blood. To put it in context, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they, they, did, they ran away. And... The 12 stayed. There were 70 of them, 72. 12 stayed. He says, do you want to go too? Peter didn't understand what he was saying. He says, but where will we go? For you have the words of eternal life. And I'm here to tell you today, you might not understand the thing I'm saying, 
you might be sitting in this group or on Wednesdays and not really fully understanding what's going on. But if you remain with him, I'm telling you now, do not, but do not abort your mission. Do not abort what you're doing. You don't have to know all things. You just need to stay in fellowship with him. And I'll guarantee you, I'll promise you, Rabs and I will, he'll put his house on. The, listen, um, I guarantee you stay in the fellowship of the Lord. Listen to me, listen to me. You may not get it right all the time, but you stay in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Guess what? And the Jesus' blood will cleanse you and show you the right way. What have you ever got coming once? I went to the gym. When did you go? Uh, 1973, my last visit. If I go to the gym once a year, does it benefit me? If I eat right once a year, does it benefit me? It's called consistency. It's called, but I'm not talking about a natural way. I'm talking about when we understand that his words are spirit and they are life. If we eat his flesh and drink his blood, his flesh is the word of God. His blood is what he did on the cross. The Holy Spirit redeems us, sets us free. Guess what he does? He takes us on the journey. And guess what? Then we can say we're the people on the way. Where are we going? Where are we going? Is it a place? Why don't we all pack up and go to Jerusalem? Is that where the promised land is? That's the shadow. Where are we going? Is it more houses, more cars, more money? Blessed? No worries. Is it feeding the poor? Is that part? Of, is that what we do? Or is it helping the unsaved? Well, what is it? Where is the... He says, on the way to the Father. Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father. See, I want to do whatever the Father wants me to do. I only do what I see my Father do. John 3, 19, and we'll finish up. He says, and this is the condemnation or the verdict, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. You know, you can play that. I'm finishing anyway. Like the credits, you know, I'm doing the switch of the Emmys and the, and the credits are going up. Simple message, but profound. Why? When I was reading John 1 today and reading it all week and meditating on it, I just realized this. Sometimes we're looking for a torch and we go on, where am I going to go now? Where am I going to go now in life? But the Bible says the word is a lamp unto my feet. It lights me up and then I can see my path. But if I don't have fellowship with him and don't stay in the light, I walk in dark. I actually lie against the truth, the Bible says. But I want the blood of Jesus continuing cleansing me. Why? The cleansing is the sanctification. I've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of our testimony. But now I want to be on that road. Why? The benefits outweigh the hardship. Oh, hallelujah. The benefits outweigh the hardship. Jesus will never lie to you. Man will lie to you. Men, Christians are hypocrites, but Jesus is no hypocrite. See, Jesus says, any man come unto me, and I'll give you rest. You know, <laughs> people say to me, oh, but Tony, I'm going through troubles. But he said, you'll have troubles. But I'll take heed, be of good cheer, guard your hearts, because I've overcome the world. In this world, you will have troubles, but I have overcome the world. See, we live out of a place of victory. 
We have to understand that who we are in Christ. See, the lamp unto my feet is knowing who we are in Christ, what Christ has done for us, what Christ is going to do for us, what Christ is doing in us. But the lamp, but the light shows us where to go. The Bible says Jesus has risen and gone before us. And this applies to every area of your life. Can I say it this way? We all have decisions to make. We all have obstacles that we face. We all have mountains that come upon us. We all have tribulation that comes upon us. But be of good cheer. Jesus said, I have overcome them all. So if my victory is in Christ, oh, you don't know what I'm going through. Yeah, I don't. But the Holy Spirit does. I haven't experienced the Holy Spirit in 20 years. Someone told me the other day. But, but you've experienced him. He's yeah. So who walked away, him or you? Because he never walked away from you. Which father denies his son? But if you're a Pharisee, you'll deny him. But the prodigal son, when he came home, he came home to be a slave, came home to be a servant. I've blown all your cash. I've blown all your inheritance. I've slept around. I've taken drugs. I've drank. Then I've, you can't get in the lower than what this guy got. He ended up going to a foreign land. He fell in the pig pen. And he goes, man, and I'm starving. I'll just eat the pig food. For a Jew, that's rock bottom. How did he end up here? I bet you asked him that question. How did I end up here? Why is my life so dark? I just wanted to be my own man. I, I, I hated my older brother. He was, he was a critical older brother. My dad must have loved him more because, you know, he blessed him more. You don't know what goes through people's heads. But he knew enough to know that the father was good because he said, I'm coming home and I'm going to tell my father, listen, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. Make me a servant. I'm not worthy to be your son. But the father wouldn't have no bar of it. You know why? Because no father will deny us. The father dressed him with a robe. The father put a ring on his finger. The father put sandals on his feet. And then the father killed the fatted calf. He said, let's have a party. You know what? Every time a sinner comes to repentance, the Bible says that whole of heaven rejoices when one sinner comes to repentance. In other words, that sounds harsh, eh? No, this is what it is. Let me say it this way. If you understand the heart of the Father, this is what it says. God the Father and whole of heaven have a party when one of his children come home to their rightful place as a son and a daughter. Because the light of Jesus shines. Don't let the light of Jesus scare you off. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, Jesus is after you. Don't let the devil tell you that you can never be doing no good. You've stuffed it up. You've gone too far. You're not worthy. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, your life is over if you end up with this cult. Or end up with these people. Or end up, you become religious. You know, that's what the devil likes you to do. But when you come to Jesus, guess what? The light of light shines through you. Hallelujah. Can we stand? Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians, don't go there, but in 2 Corinthians... It talks about the light. And he says, we don't testify about ourselves because we are not the light, but we testify about Jesus who is the light. But the Bible says that the light hidden under a bushel or under a basket is no good. You put it on top of a hill so everybody can see it. See, you are the light of the world, Jesus said. He said to his Lord, but you are the light. You're the soul of the earth and the light of the world. But 
I don't understand how I'm going to be a light when I don't have the light. See, the blood of Jesus is life in his blood. He shed his life so I can have his life. And when I have his life, I have become a light to this dying world. And if I understand who I am, he says, you are children of light. You know, some people in this room don't know who they really are. It's sad walking around not knowing who you are. The Bible says it's like you're looking in a mirror, and then when you move out, you see your reflection, you see your face, but when you walk away, you forget who you are. Who does that? But every time we walk away from the light, we are actually saying, I've forgotten who I am. I'm a child of the light. My Father is the Father of all lights. The Holy Spirit manifests the light of God in us. And when I submit to Him, I become a son. Not born of man's will, not born of flesh and blood, but by the will of the Father. The Bible says that any man who gives his life to Jesus, surrenders his life, confesses Jesus Lord, shall be saved. It's a promise. We've all sinned and we've all fallen short of his glory. But we have a Savior that loves you. I was saying to my wife in the car, and I'll close on this. Was it my wife or was it DJ? Anyway, we're talking about Jesus that we'll never understand what he did on that cross. We'll never understand the anguish that he felt on that cross. We'll never know the, the pain. And we think of it as a physical pain. Yeah, the physical side of what Jesus went through. We, we talked about that, about the unleavened bread. But what about the torment that he went through? What about the pain he went through in his inner man? And he was, he was getting punished and alienated from the Father because of our sin. And, and, and he took on. It's one, thing that, it's one thing that when we sin and we know, oh, my God, I've sinned and it eats you up. Or you, you've done something. You don't know how to get out of it. It eats you up. Imagine that a million fold. Imagine knowing that you're carrying everyone's sin, everyone's disease, everyone's perversion. And Jesus is, that's why the Bible says he was marred. Unto human recognition. That's why, yeah, in the physical, he was whipped and beaten. But in the spiritual sense, what they saw was the ugliest creature on earth. Because that's what sin does to you. That's what the enemy wants to do to you. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus, who knew no sin, became that sin. He became the punishment that we deserve. Listen to me. He became the punishment that we couldn't pay, that he took the debt so we could have his life. So we could shine in that dark place. We'll never know what he went through. Until we get to heaven, we'll understand how we walked around thinking, yeah, the cross, the cross, the cross. We'll never understand what he went through. But we do understand.